and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air, online, seven days a week here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. We are up as both a podcast and what we call I'm not sure that anyone else calls it that, but what we call a radio loop, and maybe no one else calls it because no one else does it. What it is, is your ability to pick us up as though you were simply flicking on your radio dial and finding the show at whatever point it happens to be. Why can you do that? Because the second link on our homepage, www.centerlefttalkradio.com, is a link to this radio loop, which is the show running in a loop on a separate computer here in our studio. And when you hit that link, you find the show, hear the show, in whatever position the cursor happens to be uh, at the moment that you hit that link. Somewhere in the middle, maybe, you never know, maybe right at the beginning it could happen, I suppose. I've, I've seen that happen on occasion. But the odds are you'll pick it up at some point in the show and allow yourself to be drawn into it. Not that you couldn't do that if you listen to it as a standard pod- podcast from the beginning, but uh, that's a different way of approaching media, a sort of an analog, a little slightly more old-fashioned way. And a lot of people prefer it, so we keep it available. And it's available to you uh, with Center Left Radio at www.centerlefttalkradio.com. Uh, interesting bit of information, uh, apparently, you know, there, there's been all this talk about, with, with, with all of the, with all of the, uh, with all of the January 6th hearings, now, now the committee being sort of in a recess mode, there's supposed to be some more live information coming, some more TV uh, testimony coming at some point in September. But one of the big things that uh, came at the at the end of the televised hearings a few weeks, well, now a week or so back, I suppose, was the fact that uh, messages, voice messages, telephone messages, and I gather some text messages uh, that were uh, going on back and forth between uh, Secret Service people those specifically uh, with attachment to uh, former disgraced, twice impeached Donald, uh, those messages from July 6th, the 5th and 6th even, uh, had somehow been uh, administratively uh, uh, made to disappear while all these people were getting new phones. They just naturally erased all their messages as their phones were transferred from one position to the, uh, from, one, uh, from one telephone, from one cell phone to the next, uh, violating what any one of you or I would do uh, with any messages or any personal stuff that we had on our own cell phones. Uh, 
and certainly going out of our way to erase. Imagine this. Imagine having text messages on your own phone. New phone comes in. You get a new one. Oh, no, 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 no. I have to erase everything that came before. It's just what you do. I, it's not what I would do. I, I don't know who would do it. But this was, some, uh, this was an explanation that was given. Now, and we didn't even know that that level of illogical procedure had taken place within the Secret Service until somehow uh, information uh, that had been uh, transmitted to the Inspector General of Homeland Security, who was a Trump appointee, and that information had been with the Inspector General about all of this. Months later, the word somehow gets to the January 6th committee that there was a, um, a, a bureaucratic order given via the head of, the, uh, of DHS, or at least the Secret Service, to wipe your phones clean of stuff on or around January 6th. It's just something we do. Well, it's not something you do. There's the Federal Records Act, and I don't know what the exact name of this thing is, but but the the need to preserve all records of federal employees while operating on behalf of or within their duties as federal employees using government property like these cell phones. This stuff has to be preserved. It is the law. There are major penalties for not doing it. And it's bad enough that it winds up the Secret Service has done it. Then we found out that this was happening to information from the same day within other areas of DHS. And it was all happening as a result result of directives given by, get ready, Trump appointees. Now we find out from yesterday's reporting, yesterday evening, that the same was holding true of phones within the Department of Defense. That top officials, uh, secretaries of you know, uh, of the various armed force branches were doing the same exact thing. Somehow there was this this sudden burst of administrative efficiency, this sudden need uh, to to fulfill bureaucratic uh, urges. And the information that had been communicated, I gather this is a combination of both text and voice messages going back and forth, among key people, key people on that day are somehow, or have somehow, as we would, we, would, we would be asked to accept that as part of a normal bureaucratic house cleaning process, this stuff all has been erased. Now, the, the, this probably would have gone unnoticed, but except that the House, in doing, the January 6th committee, in doing its investigations, ultimately began asking for these records, 
They had gotten a long delay from the Secret Service on receiving the records and finally probed a bit further. This is when the Inspector General of the, uh, of the uh, Secret Service finally let on to stuff that he had known about for months and months and months, namely that this stuff had been erased. And of course, once that information was there, it's just a matter of time now that you can start going across different agencies of government. And wherever there was a Trump appointee in a position of responsibility and Trump was sticking them in all over the place, that's where information basically has disappeared. It has cover-up, it has conspiracy, it has all this stuff written all over it. And it's absolutely within the sphere of operation, within the way in which you would expect crime boss Donald to be operating. And of course, no one, uh, at least so far, has been able to proclaim that, uh, uh, that, that Donald gave the word, that there's any kind of evidence that Donald said, I want everybody to erase all their messages. Nor was there any uh, record of the, uh, of the nature of the look on, on uh, Michael Corleone's face when he looked at one of his henchmen during his father's funeral and with barely more than the look in his eyes gave the word that his brother uh, would be killed the next day. Okay, so... so, so we, we understand kind of how this process works. Don't go looking for Donald's name, but you look for his fingerprints and you look for information that's being exchanged by people uh, about what's going on and apparently what wasn't going on, what he wasn't saying, what Donald was not requesting, what was not being said to the National Guard, what was not being said to the local police forces, what was not being said to the military generally, what was not being said to people who could have sent in uh, some kind of assistance to the Capitol Police or the Metropolitan Police during this period. What was or wasn't being said in the day prior to, the day of, what knowledge was there within the Secret Service, within his own detail about what he was requesting, about what they knew was going on, about how they were or were not proceeding. Nope, nope, all of that just accidentally kind of all over the place. Everybody got the notion at the same time to do some really good house cleaning, house cleaning, otherwise known as, as scrubbing. Now, now, Dick Durbin, uh, you know, who, who heads up the, uh, the Senate uh, committee that, that uh, oversees the Department of Defense, the Defense Committee, I guess it's called, uh, has now put in a request uh, that there be a full investigation of, by, the, uh, by the Inspector General of the DOD uh, to go ahead, to find out what, what happened or what is happening with the messages, the text and voice messages of people within the DOD that were all scrubbed 
uh, on, uh, you know, from the period of January 5th and 6th, 2021, and whatever else, however far he, he's, he's making this request to verify. And we'll invariably begin finding that there are more organizations, more uh, departments of government that seem to, wherever you'll find Trump, whatever, wherever you'll find a Trump appointee, wherever you'll find someone in an agency or an agency involved with the care and feeding and handling of Donald during that period, invariably you're going to find missing messages. But then a very interesting thing happened this morning. And, and, and I was watching Morning Joe, as I am wont to do many days, uh, as often as they have a uh, you know, an interesting panel on, and, and if, if, if Joe himself is not going to wax not so poetically or just repeat uh, the same themes that he's repeated time and time again, I generally like the show very much. I sometimes don't. Um, Jonathan Lemire, who does their 5 to 6 a.m. shot uh, way too early, I think is how the show is branded, uh, is was interviewing uh, former Homeland Security Chief Jay Johnson. He was Jay Johnson was a security chief under uh, Homeland Security under Barack Obama. At the same time, uh, let's see. No, no wait. Was it Department? Was it DOD? Or, no, he was he was Homeland Security. He was Homeland Security. Uh, at the same time that Leon Panetta. Uh, was uh, head of the Department of Defense. I think prior to that, he had worked as... Uh, Jay Johnson had worked as general counsel. He and Panetta had worked closely to get together. Panetta had been on the air yesterday with... Uh, uh, at, around noontime, uh, saying on, on MSNBC that he felt that... or he smelled something akin to a conspiracy going on over here as far as these messages go. And Jay Johnson kind of reaffirmed this. Panetta was saying this on the Andrea Mitchell show yesterday. And, and Jay Johnson confirmed, and it's just obviously, you know, that, that makes sense. Um, unless this entire thing is being blown utterly out of proportion, and, and unless, the, you know, somehow we find out eventually that this is a total norm, totally normal process which I, I just can't imagine for a second. But there, there you have it. Um, but, but, then, but then a very... Jonathan Lemire asks Jay Johnson the simplest of questions. He goes, you know, when you're, if all this stuff is being wiped at DOD and at, at Secret Service and everything, he goes, you know, for years I've... Most people know this, and, and, and most carriers are, are, are very much capable of this. Wouldn't there be a cloud version of this stuff retained? And Jay Johnson just looked at him and said, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of these messages, anything that you or I do with our cell phone, everything at some level is preserved somewhere 
within the capacity of the carriers in a cloud form, in some kind of mega storage location. And undoubtedly, this stuff, the stuff that was administratively erased, would have been held in the cloud. When you erase it off your phone, it's still in the cloud. It doesn't go away. Now, to me, that suggests that the simplest verification in the world for the fact that there was a conscious effort to do this would be to verify what the status of any of this information. Take anybody who, you know, ultimately will pick a name, you know, Joe, Joe Smith. Oh, that's terrible, but okay. Joe Smith of the secret of the Secret Service. Oh yes, I uh, my phone was wiped, or I wiped my phone, or whatever the hell the process would wind up being. I I did that, and uh, yeah, I did it according to. It was simply a bureaucratic thing. It was a a bureaucratic, uh, uh, th you know. And they asked me to do that at the end. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. Okay. And what about and okay? Now you go to the next level of investigation, and you verify, or someone verifies someone within the House committee, someone within any committee of Congress right now goes and verifies, well, where is it in the cloud? Well, you subpoena whoever it is that has control of that cloud, and you find out whether or not someone has gone to the additional, gone to the additional effort, taken the additional step of eliminating that same information from the mega storage area because that, and I, I happen to know this from just talking to people, that stuff just doesn't go away on its own. If you've simply wiped a phone in order not to have that level of information available or for whatever reason or not, I don't know, but you don't wipe the cloud. You don't wipe the backup. You don't wipe the metadata information that is being preserved in some mega storage capability somewhere far away from the actual uh, instrument, the, the cell phone. The cell phone is passive to that cloud. It doesn't care. It doesn't know about the cloud. If you find that that information has been wiped from the cloud... Now you have a really, really, really big problem. You know that somebody has gone ahead and done something very, very, as it is, as it is. Just the accidental fact that all of these agencies, in violation of standard federal procedure for records maintenance and information preservation, because there may be a FOIA request, there may be all sorts of things ultimately coming down regarding this information, in violation of all of that, they just happen to either willfully on their own wipe their phones clean or somehow participated in some administrative process where everybody's phone gets wiped clean, new phones show up or, or people just go away and phones disappear and all of this, as bad as that would be if that if everybody in all these different agencies across the scope happened to have done this simultaneously. 
as bad as that would be, if the second level that I'm suggesting, that if someone went into the cloud, if someone communicated with the various carriers, with their cloud uh, maintenance and storage facilities, if someone using their governmental power, using their Trump connection, who knows, to get in and wipe what would be the primary, the ultimate storage of this information. If that was done, and if it was done for one, you know it's going to be done for all. Then you've got a criminal conspiracy on your hands. And you've got one right away. And, and the simplicity of the notion that it would be on the cloud is something that I think should be obvious to anyone thinking about this or investigating this. Now, maybe allowing that question not to be, or, 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 or no one proffering uh, the notion that, oh, by the way, you know, says whoever the guest is on, on MSNBC or CNN, by the way, they say, uh, you know, but don't worry, there's probably a copy of this in the cloud, and we'll get that eventually. No one has proffered that thought other than Jay Johnson this morning. So, so my thought is, uh, that maybe uh, no one wanted to proffer that thought. That people, that maybe, you know, there's a, there's a little grandstanding here by, by the Democrats uh, allowing the, uh, the storyline to, to unwind little by little about just how deep and how, and how far and, and how pervasive this scheme, this apparent scheme, this presumed scheme based on what we're hearing, how deep and how far this was running in Trump, among Trump appointees to prevent and allow, allowing people to form, to form their own opinion, of course, to prevent people knowing just how nefarious their acts were during uh, the January 5th and January 6th and all that and, and the time preceding. Of course, if you leave it all out there like that, this is the assumption that people who are, uh, who basically have seen enough of what's happened with the January 6th committee, this is the type of assumption you would, you would automatically have about the intent and the actions of, uh, of the players uh, working for and around Donald Trump at that time. And to not say something like, but don't worry, it's in the cloud, we'll find it all. Because if you say that, it, it, it takes it takes away uh, it, it takes away some of the mystery. It takes away the mystique. Uh, you're no longer um, out there hunting and pecking uh, for all that stuff. So uh, I, 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 I think Jay Johnson's uh, dare I call it a revelation that this information should be in the cloud is is something that should have been realized by a lot of people or someone should have said something about this earlier. But, I, but I'd simply add the additional thought that uh, if in fact 
the cloud is, oh, I'm sure by now someone from some committee somewhere has already uh, gotten to all the various carriers. Everybody knows the information is there. Who are the carriers that would be used by federal employees? Where is this information? Blah, blah, blah. It would not take much to get out there to these various carriers and to demand access to information, to subpoena, if necessary, information in the cloud from that period from a fixed group of people. It would take not much to do that, nor would it take much to find out that this stuff ain't there. Somebody within these organizations, be it an AT&T, be it a, be it a, uh, a Verizon, be it anyone, whoever, whoever the, the ISP is, whoever the, the carrier is, would be able to point out or know rather quickly if something isn't there, especially that it would have to be, it would have to go through the highest levels of a carrier organization to have someone go in and delete, consciously delete masses of information from a particular time period for a large group of people. This is not something that would just sort of accidentally happen, I don't think, within any ISP. So we shall see. I mean, meanwhile, it's, you know, it's, it's thought candy, something for your brain to chew on and think about. But I, I, I suppose the only, uh, you know, the, the, the only reasonable takeaway at this point, there's all sorts of speculation that could go with this. The only reasonable takeaway right now is that if we find out what has already been, we've already been told, is a multi-agency elimination of, uh, of federally protected information, which is bad enough. But if we find out now that there has been an effort to erase the backup in the cloud for all this, then we've got, we've got a, criminal, a criminal situation just right there alone. And... I, I, one would imagine that there's someone somewhere within government who, with the proper uh, sufficient amount of pressure applied, will begin to remember what was there, where was there. Someone made a copy of what was on their phone. Someone preserved it because they were afraid of what might ultimately happen. Much the way uh, the committee, the January 6th committee, has ultimately been able to produce uh, information from Republican witnesses working incredibly closely with the president. I mean, to finally get Pat Cipollone, for example, to, to, uh, to testify to the committee. Oh, by the way, he has now been called, Cipollone has just been called, we found out this morning, uh, has been called by, or was called by a federal grand jury uh, at the behest of the Department of Justice to answer questions relative to January 6th. He and some other high uh, 
uh, attorney within uh, his 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 second, I think I can't think of the guy's name, uh, within the Trump administration. Uh, which would again, and th th this is sort of passing, not not quite below the radar, but certainly subordinate to the larger story about what's been going on <coughs> across the various agencies to eliminate this information. But it it does suggest that DOJ is actively pursuing this information, actively uh, looking at what's going on, and. And no matter what happens with the January 6th committee, well, what will happen with the January 6th committee is that it will cease to exist at the end of this Congress. As the new Congress is sworn in, in January, the functions of the January 6th committee to investigate the activities of January 6th, the Congress, the special committee, blah, 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 no matter who takes over the Congress, that committee, the original committee, will cease to exist. Now, <coughs> if the Democrats were able to maintain control of Congress, and specifically of the House, I would consider it a, <coughs> a relatively safe bet that there would be <coughs> either a, a second committee uh, composed of those members, the, the members of Congress who are there in the new Congress. I mean, assuming that may, there may be changes, I, I would think that from what we're seeing, uh, Liz Cheney, if everything is going the way it seems to be going in the wonderful state of Wyoming and the brilliance of the Republican Party and their and the head up the ass way of of doing things and their willingness uh, within the party there to just embrace and love and, uh, and and respect the big lie to to basically feel this obligation uh, to be part of the team to continue to lie and fabricate and and to just can't stand the fact that Liz went ahead and decided to break with the pack and tell the truth. So she would be gone one way or the other. It would appear, I, unless she should decide to try running as an independent, uh, but it would be too late for her to, I imagine, get on the ballot at this point. So, so there would be a, a very different committee with, without her there and probably without Adam Kinsinger. It would be a very different sort of committee, and I think you could just about bet your bottom dollar. Well, I don't know. Would there be any other Republicans who might step into the breach for them? For, for, for uh, Cheney and Kinsinger? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it really depends on how the uh, again i'm making the assumption this would the, this case would only this would only be the case of course if the if the democrats held the house of representatives and if they did that i would almost be certain that they would have hold would have held the senate as well maybe pick up a couple of seats and get rid of the mansion cinema uh, curse that seems to be hanging over them uh, constantly uh, but i it, it if you could hold the House, the Democrats, you just may find yourself in a situation where there might be slightly more responsive Republicans. 
knowing that uh, that that would be even more of a message that the Trump star is falling from the heavens. Uh, that's what it would take to hold the Congress for uh, the Democrats right now. And you might get replacements, Republican replacements, uh, for Cheney and Kissinger. Uh, if it, if if the in, if what happened in, and this is a small indicator, but if what happened in Kansas, uh, this would have been on Wednesday. I think was it Wednesday? No, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. They they had no Tuesday. On Tuesday they had a primary, and there was also a a, a referendum of sorts, or there was a ballot a ballot issue. There was a vote that depending on, uh, on how you voted, the existing state constitution or the existing laws, I forget how it's worded for their purposes, every state is, is sufficiently different in this regard, but there was the opportunity for the voters of Kansas to basically remove all barriers, all barriers, to making abortion illegal. That's how the wording on this thing was. In other words, if they voted uh, no or however it was worded, no or yes, abortion would, in very, very short order, based on the expressed desires of the, of the, of the, uh, of the Kansas uh, state legislature, mostly Republican control, Abortion would have been outlawed substantially, if not entirely, in the, in the very near term. Instead, <laughs> by something like, I think when the final tally came in, by something like 19 percentage points, the ridiculously red and hyper insanely Republican and, I gather, wildly Trump-loving, face-sucking Kansans, and many Republicans among them, one would have to assume, by, 19, by a 19-point spread, said, nope, you ain't touching the abortion rules in this state. And it, from what I understand, it was, a, it was an unexpected result. Now, people did not, you know, this, this was different from, this was not the same vote for, uh, for a primary. This was not voting for any one particular person. This was a separate issue. And I gather did not track with other candidate-related voting within Kansas. People seem to have gone out of their way to make sure that the insanity of the Supreme Court decision to destroy the protections of Roe v. Wade would not be extended down the road to the state level, because now with Roe v. Wade gone, it, it is a state, it, it, the, the laws are, well, the states can now govern 
one by one. Every state can go through its own moral hand-wringing and play God and, and, and can decide to destroy the lives of women and pretend that it knows what God would say, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And this is murder! And then go ahead and, and allow guns and AR-15s on this. Yeah, you, know, you, know, you know all the arguments. And it's disgusting, but there it is. And Kansans said... By 19 points. Huge, huge. Nope. Now, we are going to maintain abortion. Now, now the law on the books that they were going to get rid of instantly was that uh, abortion is permissible in the state of Kansas, I believe, up to 20 weeks. And that's pretty much, I gather, where it's going to stay. If I'm the state legislature, and state legislatures, are, I guess, are, 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 you know, Republican state legislatures are being put on notice about this, obviously from that vote. If you want to go ahead and you just want to surreptitiously not look at, not want to care about, not, not notice the fact that roughly 75% of the country, uh, if not more, wants protected uh, abortion rights around, you know, and, and that I think six, the way the original vote was like two thirds of America said, no, do not get rid of Roe v. Wade. And I think right now it's up to some, somewhere in the, in the 70s or high 70s, it's like there must be protections for women seeking abortion rights. This, and this is across the board. You can't not be including Republicans in that. So any state legislature, Republican controlled state legislature, that has it in their head that they're just going to go ahead because they can, because they're a majority in any particular state. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put some cockamamie completely and we're going to make it a crime and we're going to throw the doctor in jail and we're going to throw the woman in jail and we're going to build uh, and we're going to give a million dollars and build a shrine to the fetal tissue. And, 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 and I, I, I don't know. Something along those lines. And we're going to make sure that everybody pays, is, is criminalized, and they're all going to pay a price because they're, we're doing God's work and we're proving that there's no separation between church and state and, and 50 years of protection are meaningless and women have no rights to control their own. Any Republican legislature that feels that's cool and, 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 and all the legislatures that have ignored all of the gun uh, sentiment, the, the desire to get rid of AR-15s and all the automatic weapons and all of that and everything that, that went nuts again after George Bush 43 allowed the 10-year moratorium on, on automatic weapons to simply expire because the gun lobbyists basically uh, were able to get to him. Anyone that wants to simply ignore popular sentiment just because they can, because they think, well, people may say that, but they'll let us do it because at the, at the core of them, they're just as afraid of Donald and just as afraid not to be part of the pack and just as afraid to step outside of the protective, slimy boundaries of whatever the Republican Party is supposed to be right now. No one wants to rock this, this fetid boat. At least that's how the politicians seem to be thinking. And we can do whatever we want. The, the, the people, uh, yeah, they may say that, but when push comes to shove, we'll do better 
with the voting populace, if we simply do stuff that sticks it to the libs, stick it to the libs, do something confrontational. This is the lesson of Donald. Beat your enemies, beat them down, hit them harder, hit, 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 be confrontational, look for culture war issues. People will appreciate that, the thought seems to be, more than we voting along their expressed opinion lines. Well, the, the vote, the vote in Kansas would seem to have put a dent in that reasoning. And, 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 and the operative word there is the, the vote. You, you know, the thing that, that, that all of these legislatures and all of these Trumpian types think that they're really ultimately controlling or that they want to basically get passed in the event it doesn't go in their favor. But when you have a 19-point difference, and this obviously is, is a huge, huge, huge statement in a very conservative red state, 19 points say, you can't mess with that. Well, what, what does that tell all of the other state legislatures who, who basically are thinking along the same lines, who, who ultimately would like to do what the Kansas legislature was thinking of doing? Just shove it down people's throats. They'll digest it and feel better about us for it. You damn well better think twice. And I've been saying this on recent shows. Um, six months ago, if you were, and, and, and I, I've said this, and I, and I can recall saying this with David. Uh, and by the way, David Bach will be with us in just a moment. But I can remember saying this with David. Six months ago, we, we, were, we were both, well, that's it, you know, the, the, the House will go uh, Republican in 2022, and very possibly the Senate. Uh, that's just how it's going to be. I, I, I don't see that. That's just not a given at this point. I think that now there is, there's a momentum. It may, be, it may not be a full gallop, and given that it's early August and uh, September, October, no, it's just we're three months away. We're less than 100 days away from the midterm. But this may be more of a, a momentum and more of a quiet uh, gallop, a, 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 uh, an electric car uh, gallop. Uh, without the, the hum of a huge engine. It's not, it's not the sound of uh, the Indianapolis Speedway. It's, it's quiet. It's electric cars moving at pretty high clip, and, and it's what's running in the undercurrent and in the underbelly of America. I think if any, any, any uh, you know, pundits and, and any poll watchers and anyone who, who figures these things out and has to make predictions, what just happened in Kansas and the implications for Republicans... This is big stuff, and you can't make any assumptions about anything. And depending on how Democrats do two things, how they, how they do the messaging, and again, I, I, keep, I keep going back to um, uh, Dan Gross, um, 
who was it running in, uh, for Congress here in New York? Uh, is it Grossman, Dan Grossman? Yeah, uh, he, uh, his ads, his political ads, I ran, I ran them on one of the shows recently. Hitting all the points you have to take. The Republicans want to take away our, our safety, our women's rights. They want to take away this, the Medicare, Social Security. Bam, 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 bam. We can't let them do that. On that list, just one of the things on the list that brilliantly is said in this political ad is women's rights to, the, to control their own bodies. There are four or five other major issues. There are guns, there is voting, there is the, the, the Constitution itself, there is honesty, there is integrity. There, everything is out there, and the Republicans are on the wrong side of every one of them, and the people, their own people, are not with them through and through on this. And we got this one indicator of it. This one very tangible indicator, the vote in Kansas to keep abortion rights in that state by a 19-point margin in one of the most red states in the country. Hello, Republicans, hello, feeling very, very certain and very sure of what's going on and running all of these crazy people out there who basically, well, doesn't even matter what happens, even if we lose, don't worry. Our, our new Secretary of State will overturn the Democratic vote and give the Republican the win. Hello, and no one's gonna stop you? Hello, and you're not gonna have an uprising in your state? You're really gonna try doing that? Hello? You really want to take that approach? You really think that's all that's left to you? Hello? You don't want to put the last nail in the Republican coffin and make this the most irrelevant party in the history of this country? Hello? Wake up, people. Wake up. There, there is nothing, nothing as, 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 as not foregone as the conclusion that the House will be taken back by Republicans in November. There's too much at play here right now. There is too much at stake for America and the American people. And we may be learning with the Kansas vote that we're not as stupid as we think we are, that our voters are not as, that, as myopic and as, and as absolutely committed and fearful as Donald and his confederates would have us believe. As I say, and we've said it again and again, that's why they play the games. That's why we watch, but that's why fortunately uh, time as an arrow seems to be going towards the future. We can't see what's at the other end of it, but it moves forward and we live through it. And any, any absolute predictions that we want to make right now, certainly from in the realm of politics that would affect the November election, don't bother. There's a lot to be done between now and then. A great deal will transpire between now and the election. And uh, fasten your seatbelt, we're, we're in for a bumpy ride. Thank you, Bette Davis. Good time to kick back, pause, and listen to a little jazz, after which David will be with us. But, like I say, before then,
How about a little jazz? This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. 
and we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial progressive programming, and we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Enough said. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a good amount going on. Um, there's a lot to talk about, but if you want to hear more, you can follow me on twitch.tv slash freshfacesnoideas, and you can follow me on Twitter at facesideas. All right. Uh, um, so... Look, there's. I, I really want to just talk about Alex Jones very briefly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because this is like one of the funniest things I think I've ever heard. Um, so Alex Jones is a bad person. Um, just, just out there. Uh, yeah. He's not some free speech warrior. He's not like first they came for the Alex Joneses. Alex Jones should <laughs> not have access. Two millions of viewers because he is a danger to the people around him. Yeah. So currently what is happening, Alex Jones, is one of, I think it's like four different civil, to be clear, these are civil cases about from the parents of the Sandy Hook massacre that he defamed and his lunatic followers went after. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's also worth remembering the reason he is here is because he basically just never showed up or took the trial seriously prior to this. Um, and then on the, the day of the testimony for the parents, he was on his show doing the thing that he is being sued for to the parents and the judge. I did not. That's a I, I was going to say that's a fine point. Uh, nothing is fine about Alex Jones, but that that is super interesting. I, I didn't know that little bit of history. That's amazing. So the really the really inter there's a couple of interesting things. We got court documents that show that he was making upward of eight hundred thousand dollars a day during CPAC, which is just a mind blowing number because essentially all he does is conspiracy theories, hate, and then sell you fake stuff. That's essentially all he does. Eight 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 hundred thousand dollars a day. What in 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 his in his 
product sales and everything, and, and or just donations or everything above? Or I, I, I don't know how it broke down, but it was, he was making eight hundred thousand dollars a day. Some somehow flowing to him and or his organization, eight hundred, almost a million bucks a day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Look, it is. It is. It is sign number six hundred and fifty thousand that the easiest job ever, if you have no morals, is to be a right wing commentator yeah. because they have infinite money, and they will throw it to whoever tells them whatever they want because they don't. They don't care that they're getting robbed literally all the time. And they don't have to research anything. They simply make up whatever they're going to say. They make sure it's a good story, and then they simply basically continue building on their story any way they want. Others pick up on it. It gets into the. It gets into that particular universe, and uh, you never have to worry about fact checking. You boy, you think of the money you save on that, not having to have a research department. That's great. Right. So the reason this is funny is because during, uh, I guess, cross-examination originally or, or uh, when the, the depositions, Alex Jones said he didn't have text messages dating back to uh, Sandy Hook, uh-huh. about Sandy Hook. And, well, and, he, and he had been asked to release those as part of the normal discovery process pre-trial, I gather. Yes. Okay. Now, turns out, and this is going to be shocking to you, Alex <laughs> Jones is a liar. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Can, 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 we, can we take a 10-minute recess here <laughs> so I can reset my, my DNA? <laughs> Tell the story, David. <laughs> So his his lawyers are trying to make him lose. It's the only explanation for what what is happening here, um, because Donald Trump's had some of the worst lawyers ever, and they never failed this hard. Apparently, they were using a Dropbox system in order to pass documents back and forth. Uh huh. And Alex Jones's lawyer downloaded, sent the defense, sent the prosecutor, the entire context of Alex Jones' phone. Over the last two years. Right. And then when the def- the prosecutor said, hey, do you want to make any of this privilege? They said no. <laughs> so they have two years of his phone records, all his texts and stuff. And they just did a dump. They did a dump. Sort of, sort of the opposite of what the Secret Service and the Department of Defense are doing lately. But they literally dumped everything of his, and, and they were asked if they wanted to go for some of it being privileged information. This is a standard request that would be put out by a prosecutor, well, by the, by, the, the, by, the, by the plaintiff's attorneys. You normally say, is any of this privilege? And you work that out between attorneys. That's, that's a standard thing. But his lawyers said nothing of all of his conversations was that they were concerned that should be given a privileged status? They actually said that, uh, or they didn't, or they didn't say anything. It was either way that the prosecutors happened. And Holy now here's the fun shit. <laughs> Not only is he clearly guilty of perjury, all of the information on his phones is now going to go to the January Sixth Committee, of course, possibly the Department of Justice. Of course, <laughs> Alex Jones has been deeply tied. Into the events of January 6th, whether it was playing around with all the the um, the, uh, the Oath Keeper groups, whether it is playing around with uh, Roger Stone, whether he was talking to Ali Alexander. Now, to be fair, this is not entirely all new news because the, uh, one of his 
like his right hand man was has already been arrested and is working with the Department of Justice on this. Oh my! So, oh I don't know my. how much extra news there's coming from him, but it is worth. It is incredibly funny that this has happened. Um, I, I I still can't believe that his attorneys somehow. Get, l- l- turned over, just literally dumped the contents of his phone and basically did not even request that there be some kind of a privilege. There's a, there's a privilege hearing that they normally have. Uh, and so one side or the other will request it, and they make sure. that's And the judge would rule on it that the attorneys themselves can't come to a decision on it. Um, it, it it's absolutely... that. Boy, what lousy lawyers these people come up with. But it shows you who's out there willing to defend these assholes. You know, wow. Right. Um, so let's move on to actual, like, uh, politics. I want to talk very quickly about the uh, American Inflation Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, the, the whatever the whatever the ghost of Build Back Better is called. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the let's, – but first let's talk about the um, uh, what, the veterans burn pit. Yes, yes, So that yes. bill passed. Yeah. It passed, I want to say it was 86-14? I think there was, uh, I think there was, yeah, I think there was like something like 86 or 87 votes in the Senate for it. I still can't imagine who wouldn't have voted. Well, you know, um, Josh Hawley, no doubt, or some people of well, that Well, I know line. Romney didn't vote for it and Tuberville didn't vote for it. Those really? Are the ones I That's interesting. And I believe Collins didn't vote for it. Oh, wow. But- I, I, we need to be clear about this. This is the third time the Senate has voted for this piece of legislation. Yeah. <laughs> the difference, there was one change when it went to the House, and that's why they had to vote for it again. That had nothing to do with the spending. Yeah, it was it was a, this, a technical change in reporting or something with it. You know, yeah, yeah. This bill, when they voted on it in July, when they voted on it, last week, two weeks ago, and when they voted on it this week, is essentially the same bill the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. They blocked this bill because they got mad that Schumer actually did a, a, a political maneuvering that actually beat them. He, 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 he pulled a Mitch McConnell. He pulled a Mitch McConnell, yeah. Now, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But... This bill, the re, uh, we do need to talk about their defense of this because uh, Ron Johnson has followed this up, and it, it may be their defense for a whole bot, uh, for things coming forward when they come for like Social Security and Medicare. Uh-huh. And their argument is we don't want it to be discretion. We don't want it to be mandatory. We want it to be discretionary. Now, the difference is if it's mandatory spending, that means it has to be done. It's a, it, Every year it's built into the budget. Right. Which means that there's no way to um, to cut it or there's no way you can't like uh, de- debate funding for it or any of that type of stuff. Now, the reason they want to make it discretionary is because it gives them another tool to either cut, to use as a bargaining chip, or to just under fun. Yeah. Now, obviously you say, well, they would never do that. We've seen this. They did it with, I think it's also called CHIPS, which is the, the child food program, yep. which they held hostage uh, a couple years ago. Yep. Because um, they could. Because they could. Right. 
Very so good. They would do people the same forget, thing David. That was that was a, that was a that was an excellent point you're raising, and people forget about that. The child, you know, holding kids hostage. Why? Because it's discretionary spending, and it's just another political football, another culture war thing, another way of just differentiating us from those filthy libs. Uh, and and it's a game, and and that's exactly what they would be setting up over here if that becomes their strategy going forward. Yeah. Right, and that's, and the reason this is important is because Ron Johnson, who is probably the dumbest senator. I oh jeez, um, uh, you think? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll go okay. with that. Yeah. That brought something up recently. Now, if you remember, the Republican Party running into this midterm is running on a platform of purposely no policies. Right. They have essentially zero policies. The closest we have to an actual policy position is Rick Scott's, and that was a. Uh, like a 30-page PowerPoint, and it is insane. The biggest thing in it is the ending of every for federal program within five years, right? and then it would be reauthorized. Right, exactly. As soon as this came out, every Republican was like, why would you do that? This is incredibly stupid. Well, and, um, and, and it, well, it goes along, I guess— with, with, with Donald's uh, uh, desire, and he's said this time and time again, to basically gut uh, career people out of these departments, the two would probably go hand in hand, I'm thinking. But, well, but to, to put it in writing like that, damn. Well, then again, Trump put it in writing, too. He signed a presidential order on that. Never put right. it into effect. The, but the, the reason this is bad, first of all, it's bad policy. Like Medicare and Social Security, besides like keeping like 90% of elderly people out of poverty, is like one of the most popular programs in the country. You don't screw with it. Right. So that's the other thing. Yeah. Um, Johnson floated this idea that we need to make it from discretionary to mandatory spending. Now, the, the Social Security doesn't impact the debt because that's how it is designed but right. in about a decade this the uh the fund is going to run out of solvency in which case it's only going to be able to produce 80 percent of its benefits that's right however the way to do there's two ways to fix this either decrease benefits which is let's be clear literally always the answer for the republican party sure it is always to cut back on helping people. Make someone hurt. Possible. Make someone hurt. Hell, they shouldn't have ever gotten this in the first place. They don't deserve it. The government's giving you a handout. That that whole mentality. Yeah, that's the Republican way. Or other, or to increase the funding mechanism, which is capped at about $120,000. Mm -hmm. The first $120,000 you make. You can increase that, and that would basically uh, deal with the solvency problem. Uh but it's important to know that these might be the type of uh, arguments that they're making is, oh, we can't be, you know, we don't like discretionary funding. We want, uh, we don't want mandatory funding. We want discretionary funding. I, 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 would only, I would only add that there's a third level, too, and that would be simply raise the, the age, uh, the, the, the base age, the, lo the least age that you can be in order to go on it. But that would probably be, that would be kind of in the same realm as, as hurting people. That, that would be just about the same thing. So I want to talk about the, the IRA, which is the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Um, we're about to find out sometime this week uh, if it's going to pass. And that is because Kirsten Cinema is going to decide what part of her uh, what part of her donors 
um, don't like the parts. Exactly. And, it's, and from what I've seen so far, it appears to be the carry interest loophole that only seems to affect uh, hedge fund managers and uh, wealthiest people. Whoops, boy, Kirsten got to be, uh, you know, uh, but the thing that I found funny about this weird, there was a little, I heard this on some, from some source that Joe Manchin had said, I'm talking to Kirsten. I'll be talking to her about this as, as, as though, as though he was her mentor or somehow, you know, as Manchin goes, so goes cinema. I, I found that fascinating. I don't know how true it is, but I just heard some source report that. No, I think he said it. There is actually one thing funny in this because uh, Manchin's been going on Fox and he's kind of, uh, he's kind of doing the same thing to, to the Republicans that he did to the Democrats where he's kind of like fake trolling them. Because uh, they were talking about the burn pit legislation. They were like, well, why would you pass this legislation when this president's so unpopular? It was like, why would it matter? It's like, do you not think we should do good things if we can do good things? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, but, but if you're Republican, no, you could never just do good things because they're good things. Everything has to have a beginning and end point. It must be purely politically motivated and screw the people. But I, mean, I, I did a well, whole earlier segment on that, but okay. So we'll find out if she's going, because look, all of this political maneuvering by Schumer doesn't mean anything if they didn't plan for how to deal with cinema as well. Yeah. Because, um, look, if she tanks it, they're going to lose. It, they, I mean, they they might win the House with, with it, but they're certainly going to lose the House, and it's certainly going to hurt their, if their they Senate do. chances. I, I, and, and, David, I would, I would tend to think— that there's been a lot of discussion with the otherwise close to the vest Kirsten Cinema, and that she basically is just playing her usual game and doing this for the sake of, of the people who own her. And essentially, in the end, she will come through on this. If Manchin came through and that leaves her by herself, no, that's the one thing I don't think she wants to be is utterly by herself and screwing and screwing and ultimately being accused of screwing the house out of. Democratic hands, and as you just said, and, and I, 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 you, you slipped that in there lightly. But if this were six months ago, you or I having a discussion in a million years would never imagine that in, on August the fifth of 2022 we might be talking about the very real possibility of the Democrats retaining the House. And here we can say that right now. And I totally agree with you. Cinema's vote becomes crucial to that. And, which is good that we're going to talk about her, because let's talk about Arizona. Because, uh, actually, yeah, we're going to talk about Arizona and Kansas. Ah, yes. Uh, because they had elections recently. Let's talk about Kansas, because this is a good, bright spot. Kansas put an incredibly confusing question on the ballot. Basically, what they were trying to do is their Supreme Court, their, according to their Supreme Court, their state constitution allows them to have abortion. So it's, it's uh, protected by their constitution. They put this confusing question on in order to try to remove that part of the Constitution. Now, Kansas was a plus 15 state to Donald Trump. Donald Trump, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was this measure 15, wow, yeah. Lost by double digits. It the, lost, it was a 20-point swing. Yeah, it was, it was 19 and a half points, 20 points, yeah, in the end, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Is, and look, to be... It is very possible that the Republicans just get rid of it anyway. Uh, just because it's on a ballot measure does not mean 
that they will follow through with it anyway. Look at Florida. Um, so that, but it is worth noting that putting things like this on the ballot or running on this will help boost your turnout. Yeah, this is the type of thing that's worth. Yeah, but now we got to talk about the negatives. Arizona is insane. Yeah. Um, they first off, Chris Kobach won. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah. that might be <laughs> Tell Chris tell Kobach, our listeners you know about Chris, good old Chris. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris Kobach is basically the the election denier wizard. Yeah. Uh, he did it under Bush, and he did it under Trump. He he uh, for the 2016 election, he found nothing, and then he disappeared into the ether. That's who Chris Kobach is. Yeah. I believe he won Secretary of State, the, the nomination for that. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But in Arizona, this is the real problem. Arizona voted in essentially every single MAGA candidate they could. Um, they had uh, Blake Masters, who was, who was essentially a more evil version of uh, J.D. Vance. Yep. They voted in Kerry Lake. Kerry Lake is insane. Like, like literally insane. The and the, the, the newscaster who's running for governor, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, she's yeah. running for governor. Yeah. There is a clip of her at one of her debates. And if you watch that clip, as insane as she is, she is the most qualified out of all the people on that debate stage. <laughs> David, like, da- David, I, I, and, I, and I see where you're going with this. But l- let me ask you something. Is it a is it a foregone conclusion given what happened in Kansas? And you know that it had to be Republicans who came out largely uh, a, a number of Republicans and of course a lot of independents and a huge outpouring of Democrats. Is it a foregone conclusion that the loonies that were just uh, that received the, the 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 nod for at least you know for the primary in Arizona will all of them be elected in November? Is that a foregone conclusion? Well, first off, it's never a far-grown conclusion that no, anything is No, that's what happen. I'm thinking. But wh- whether all of them win, no. But they only need a couple to win in some places. Like, if Blake Masters loses, but Doug Mastriano and Kerry Lake win, that's a worse outcome than if Blake Masters win and they both lose. Yeah. Um, I Because, look, it is very likely, it looks more likely that they're going to hold the Senate. Um, uh, yeah, the Democrats. Oz is yeah. going to, yeah. Oz is probably going to lose by double digits. Um, Warnock is probably going to win by f- around five points, Yep, which is a sad state of affairs for Georgia that it would be anywhere near that. That, that low. That Raphael Warnock isn't going to win by 30 plus points. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I, have, I haven't followed enough of the, uh, uh, the JD Vance race to know. I do think Beto is going to win because I think there's one more. It's going to be one more crazy thing that happens in Texas that is going to be like super negative. And it's probably going to have to do with Uvalde, but it could very easily have to do with their energy grid. Yeah. Um, yeah. This. But like the, the point, like there is this this argument that's being made about how uh, Democrats are helping to fund some of the more married candidates. Yes, that you I've been hearing a lot about that. First of all, they're not putting that much money in. Because they're they're funding a couple of them, and we're not talking like huge numbers. But in some of these cases, they're they're like triple spending. Like Doug Mastriano, that was a mistake. Uh, 
but there are cases where it's good, like they did it in Maryland. Are you are, are you sure are you, you person? Do you find is there an is there a uh, an ethical issue there? Do you find yes. are you offended with this? Offended that the Democrats would do that? There is, there is an ethical issue there. I mean, granted, there's this is currently happening with APAC on the Republicans uh, on the Democratic side. They're they're going after progressives. Yeah. Um. There is an ethical issue because the ethical issue in this is just by elevating these people and by putting these ads in, you're telling people who don't normally pay attention that these are the type of people that they want running. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there yeah. is an ethical issue. Here. And because you don't have a strategy basically down the road to deal with all of these other people, you're basically pulling them in. You should be putting up the more moderate. It is better to have the more candidates race races. It's a great seat. How people will. David, you're, you're breaking up. If you're, if you're moved away from a source, that might be it, but you're breaking up a bit. Internet. Um, has, I don't know. Uh, keep going. Let's see. Sorry. Um, it's been relatively my internet for the last couple of kind of why my streaming has been slower. Okay. But, um, a little better now. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. What I mean is it's better to put the moderate kids because you can in those seats than the actual people who are going to damage. Yeah. In some places, this will work. It worked in Maryland. But in certain states, you cannot be doing this of who they are. Yeah. Not be doing that. Uh, you need to be funding the writer people because the problem is there's a 30% part of their base of the Republican base that will be against democracy. They've just proven it over and over again. Yeah. The, the, the goal is basically to sequester that part into whatever tiny little corner that you can make it as possible so that instead of Marjorie Taylor Greene's being the norm, she is the outlier that she should be. Which is the way, it, as I was growing up, there was always that segment of the Republican Party that were the crazies, but they hid under rocks. They didn't have control. You knew they were there. You knew that if you had, you know, this would be the crazy uncle at Thanksgiving dinner, and you knew they were going to say something completely wackoberry, but it was understood to be wackoberry rather than political orthodoxy and mainstream, which is where it's become right now. Yeah. So that's, that's what the problem. You have to pick and choose, and you have to understand the psychological effect that you're doing. Yeah. Just throwing, because look, just because you put the crazy against your candidate doesn't mean your candidate's going to win. Yeah, this is true. This is true. We've seen it. We saw it on a presidential level in 2016. We saw it. There's definitely going to be at least one of these races that where they did this with backfires. Yeah. You it, also cannot say, and this is this is a, a an also a problem with Biden that Donald Trump is a danger and the Republican Party is a danger to democracy and the planet and then help elevate some of the, the most dangerous and most anti-democratic members of that party. I, 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 I can't agree with you more. I, I think it's an outlier strategy. 
being used, as you said, with a limited number, a couple, three candidates, the, you know, in, in, in excessive races. And, and whoever thought this one through came up with the notion that, well, we're, we're safer putting up the worst possible Republican candidate than, uh, than not doing anything at all. Uh, the election will bear out what the wisdom of the strategy might be, and uh, we'll find that out as we go. David, we have about two minutes. We're running a little late on time. What else is really percolating right now you'd like to talk about? Um, I, I, I don't know. They're going to do gay marriage, I think, soon. I think they um, are. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. But I think that's going to come after the reconciliation. But I don't know what's what's coming next. So the oh, next thing, the next thing we should all be looking at is where this, the 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 machinations that go with getting reconciliation on the table and making sure we we've got, this is going to be a a fifty a fifty uh, fifty one vote uh, win if it's going to be a win in the Senate. It's going to be fascinating to see how that one plays out. That's uh, that's really all I can think of off the top. Well, of my head. I and I appreciate that, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and 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 I and I hope I hope your uh, your internet uh, treats you a slightly more kindly uh, as 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 time goes forward. The vagaries of the Ethernet uh, are upon us at all times. I thank you once again for. Uh, your wisdom, and uh, there's just so much to talk about. I, 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 I'm thrilled at the notion that the two of us can be sitting here six months after we had a very dissimilar series of conversations where both of us were so convinced that it was uh, the end of the world as we know it uh, for the Democratic Party uh, in the House and very possibly the Senate in the upcoming midterm elections. There's a very different world and a very different landscape out there. Maybe the American people aren't quite as stupid as some of us would otherwise imagine they are. Maybe, maybe the balance of what we are in this country, the, 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 the true undercurrent, the, 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 bricks, the bricks and more, the foundation of what we are, may be asserting itself. And it's asserting itself through the vehicle of progressives like yourself. Um, wait and see. We'll find out soon. One way or the other, thank you, David, and uh, everybody else out there listening, uh, thank you for listening to us. And your, well, the payoff, besides the great knowledge and, and, and David's ability to, David, by the way, where else can people find you? Twitch.tv slash ideas and Twitter at FacesIdeas. Besides all of that, you get to listen to a little more jazz.
You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. It's fascinating enough to see how much material people are willing to try to uh, get rid of, how much back and forth there was. But more than that, more than the sheer effort to hide it, how many people, how many different areas of government, how many people in government were involved in the process to take it down. It's a study in the creation of a fascism.